Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Expansive CEO Podcast, where I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. We're going to talk about the financial industry and the things that I am seeing as someone who has been in this industry for more than 17 years now, shifts that I am seeing happening that are not in consumer's best interest. And I'll be honest, I tried to make a just a social media post about this. And it kept going just way over. I'm like, okay, there's no way I can make this a soundbite just yet. I have to express this frustration. And I need more than, you know, the TikTok 10 minute limit uh, to do it. So here we go. In the financial industry, there are these two sides right now. One side is the financial institutions that you know, right? The the financial institu- institutions that have been around for a long time. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So if you, if you go to any corner, right? Large banks, large brokerage houses, um, any of the places where you're like, oh yeah, I have a financial advisor at so-and-so place, right? These financial institutions are heavily regulated and they're heavily regulated for a reason. Financial institutions are heavily regulated because over the last, you know, 100, 120 years or so of this, you know, financial, personal financial space, we have noted and experienced that many financial professionals will take advantage of clients when the opportunity arises. Think about Bernie Madoff, right? That's one of very easy example. What did he do? He had a Ponzi scheme that defrauded so many investors some people who were wealthy, but a lot of people who were just like your average grandparents, right? He was getting 13% returns every year, like clockwork. Every year, your investments would be up 13%, 13%. It was great, except none of it was real. It was a Ponzi scheme. The money was never actually there in people's accounts. Why is it called a Ponzi scheme? Because it's named after the person who originally did this a hundred years ago right? It's it's because this was a precedent set by another human being that also defrauded investors. People, and we say investors, it kind of uh, takes away the sting of, no, these are people who thought someone else would be a good steward of the money that they gave to him, right? Let's go back to the Bernie Madoff example and, you know, just normal normal people that invested with his firm. Again, imagine it's your grandparents. 
right? They didn't do anything fancy in their lives. They just, they worked, they saved, they had, maybe they did save a million dollars in their 401k for their retirement. They give it over to Bernie Madoff and then it's gone. And by gone, it's gone, right? It does not exist anymore. He used that money to pay off the other people that were trying to take withdrawals because he didn't actually invest anybody's money. It was a Ponzi scheme. Okay. I'm spending a lot of time here because this is not an isolated incident. And I realize again, okay, so I am a financial advisor. I am a certified financial planner. I am a fiduciary for my clients and a fiduciary in any industry must make recommendations that are in the best interest of the client always, no matter what. Attorneys can be fiduciaries, right? Real estate agents within a transaction with their clients are fiduciaries. And CFPs, certified financial planners like me, we are fiduciaries for our clients. Every time I speak to a client, I have to, it is my fiduciary duty to give them the the advice that is in their best interest always. But that was not always the case in the financial industry. So we have had we have had legislation and regulation and legislation and regulation all throughout the last 100 years that have been put in place to correct bad behavior among financial professionals to put to put protections in place for clients who deserve to understand what they're investing in who deserve to know how much they're paying what the fees are for what they're investing in and to have it be clear and to have the paper trail make freaking sense it's so convoluted in the financial industry. So much of the financial industry is is just absolutely asininely convoluted because everyone wants a cut from the mutual fund company that's trying to get on the platform, right? We've got a mutual fund. We want to be able to sell it at Fidelity or Ameriprise or Merrill Lynch or wherever, any any institution, they have to pay a percentage to get onto the platform, right? And then the advisors, you know, the company that is sponsoring that investment, they're going to get a cut. And then the advisors are going to get their cut. And then all the way down, right? So all of the fees that you're paying for any of these investments, you might literally think that you're not paying fees in your accounts. And it's just because no one has told you how the fee structures actually work. None of this is free. It all comes at a price. And I'm going to say this as well, like everyone deserves to get paid for their time right? And their expertise and the job that they're doing. So this is not saying that there should be no fees in the world. I'm not, I'm not arguing for that by any stretch of the imagination, but I am saying that if you can't make it very clear, this fee is from this, this, you know, you are, this client is ending up paying all of these layers of fees and here's where they go, right? It is, 
it's not right is what I'm saying. It's not right that the, that this aspect of the financial industry is still that obfuscated, that murky for clients. And once again, those, the different rules and regulations that are looking at that, you know, they're constantly evolving, constantly trying to keep up with, you know, financial firms, with financial advisors, trying to make sure that they can stay ahead and keep consumers protected. One of the, one of the really important, um, institutions at this point is the FCPB, the financial, the consumer CFPB, excuse me, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that was spearheaded by Elizabeth Warren. That was a beautiful piece of consumer protection. When that went into, into force and when it had some teeth, right, when it was first created, it was a huge force for good because it was requiring um, a lot of different aspects of the financial industry to be better, to be more transparent for consumers, to be more supportive for consumers. I'm not going to go into all the details of that right now either, but I just wanted to say that, you know, again, the financial industry has been heavily regulated over the last, again, 100 plus years because when it comes to money, we need to have some sort of buffer in place that will protect consumers. My rant that becomes um, where I want to talk about this even more deeply is in now in the financial money coaching, money mindset space. And I want to bring this into the fold because what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing here is that it's like this little offshoot that has been growing over the last, I mean, it's probably been a decade, but I would say even more so in the last five years has really started to have a foothold in the coaching space, right? So coaching in general is also not really regulated. It's kind of like the wild west still and money coaching, money mindset, coaching, money block coaching, all of these different areas um, that people are kind of, you know, putting their, their flag in the ground, putting their stake in the ground of what they do is also unregulated. And when we are talking about finances, when we're talking about money, when we are talking about this topic that is so sensitive and so uh, so important in our world right now, to have another piece of the industry that is completely unregulated is not good. It's not good for consumers. Why am I pointing this out? Um, because when I started X Squared back in January of 2021, I started networking just even more than I did when I was at my old firm before I started really hitting the networking um, hard and really like connecting with lots of people on LinkedIn. I started being connected to people who were money coaches. 
very frequently people, you know, people would hear my ethos, my, like I take a very heart-centered comprehensive approach where I always start with the financial plan before we ever go into the investment management so that I know what you actually need, right? I can't give you investment advice until I know what it is that you want to create in life. What do you want to experience? What do you want to, um, yeah, what do you want to do with your life and your business? And then we can back into the investment recommendations, right? So even just starting talking like that back then in 2021, people were like, oh, you sound like this money coach that I've heard of. So I started connecting with, with these money coaches and what was fascinating to me at the time was it was like, seemed like they could just say anything and, you know, get clients and be just really open and give advice. You know, that was my perception. It was like, oh, it seems like they're giving a lot of advice. Is that safe. And when we would dig into it, the there are money coaches who are very aware of their limitations, right? If that's um, money mindset, right? Just going through, you know, how do you heal your money mindset? If it's, you know, budgeting or getting out of debt, um, different, different pieces like that, like those things, you know, you're, if you're in a safe lane, yes, financial education is safe. But it's when those same clients are like, okay, now I know I need to grow my money. I know I need to invest for the future. How do I do that? Or I know I should be doing something about, you know, tax, tax treatment or, you know, planning for taxes somehow. How do I do that? That's where a money coach has to end. That expertise does not flow. Even if they, I'll say, even if they have expertise in that area, if they're not licensed, if they are not regulated by any regulating body, they run the risk of being caught and audited by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, and fined, given jail time, their business taken away, all of it if they are found giving financial advice to clients when they are not licensed and accredited to do so. And so I started meeting people kind of across that whole spectrum, people who, again, knew exactly where that line was and understood and could say, I help people get out of debt. I help people do X, Y, Z, and that's it. And when it turns into even a simple question of like, should I put money in my IRA now? They're like, nope, I'm out. You need to talk to a financial advisor. But then there's a whole other unregulated side that is talking about, I can teach you how to invest your money. I can teach you how to, you know, make money with crypto. I can teach you how to um, do all of these things with financial instruments, right? And financial accounts. And I am not, right? These people, these money coaches are not licensed, have not taken any sort of licensing um, tests. And I'll say the uh, certified financial planner designation 
um, that I have. I'm also an accredited portfolio management advisor. That's the APMA and a chartered retirement planning counselor. That's the CRPC. All of those designations come with like years of experience. You have to have years of experience before you can even use the CFP credential. Um, you have to, you know, it took me about three years to do all the coursework and take all the tests and then sit for the final exam. You can do it more quickly, um, but it's it takes time, right? And it takes experience and it takes expertise to really be able to help someone navigate complex financial situations. And it cannot be taught. I'm going to say that like pretty strongly. It cannot just be taught in an online course. I'm going to teach you how to invest. And then you're going to go and make a million dollars like Sally did. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. That's not, that is not an appropriate thing for a money coach to be teaching to clients because you don't know anything else about that person's situation. You don't know the full extent of how their their family budget works, how their business budget works, how um, how their tax situation might be different from someone else's. You have to have the details of someone's true financial life before you can start leading them through these complicated financial topics. It just, it is not something that you can do in an online course. And it's also not something that you can do. You can't heal your money mindset and heal your money blocks and then just sit there and not do anything with that, right? There's an implementation that has to come with the healing. You have to heal and then you have to make a new choice and take a new action. And it's on the make a new choice, take a new action that the money coach space does not have the appropriate experience and does not have the appropriate licensing and does not have the, the appropriate consumer protections in place to keep clients safe. When I, when I see these different sides of my industry, when I see these spaces where there's what it, what it calls out to me is a lack of, a lack of full transparency and a lack of full integrity. And I am not saying that to, to say that people who want to help people heal their money mindset are non-integrous people. That's not what I'm saying. But if you are helping people heal their money mindset and then not releasing them once they're once they're healed, releasing them and saying, okay, now it is time to work with a professional. If you are not doing that, that is out of integrity. You are not then helping that client move all the way through that money processing, money story processing, money block processing to take the new action with someone who can actually help them with the implementation. Okay. This is important. If the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission finds out and they're looking at this, they're scrutinizing financial influencers right now. They are scrutinizing 
what you're doing. If they come back and say that you were in a, you know, education, financial education space up and, you know, in A, B, and C, but when you flipped over into saying you need to go save this much money into a money market, you need to save this much into high yield savings, you need to, you know, check out this annuity, anything like that, that veers into financial advice and you have overstepped your boundaries. And that can be fines, that can that can lead to fines, that can lead to jail time, that can lead to shutting down your business. Okay. There are some actually very large financial influencers um, that I have seen also who have this type of language on their websites. They are not financial advisors. They are not licensed. They are not fiduciaries. And yet they are teaching people how to invest, saying things about, you know, um, do you have a 401k? Do you want to roll it to an IRA? Here's why you should without ever having, without knowing that you, even as a financial advisor, me, the CFP, I cannot just tell someone, oh, you have 401k, you should roll it to an IRA. I'm not allowed to say that. It is against regulation because I don't, I have to know everything about that 401k, about the fee structures, about the investment options, about, you know, what options are available within a 401k that are not available within an IRA. And if that client might need those special accommodations in that 401k, I need to know that first before I say, you know what, here's here are the pros and cons of the 401k. Here are the pros and cons of the IRA. Based on your situation, your specific, you, you, unique person, this is what I'm recommending because of X, Y, and Z. It could be that it should stay in the 401k. It should not roll to the IRA. It could be that, yeah, you should consolidate with the IRA and do X, Y, Z, right? Based on your situation. But when I see blanket statements from financial influencers, my spidey senses are just all up, right? I'm like, something is wrong here. This is not correct. You are not under the umbrella of a consumer protection that you should be in order to be giving this kind of advice. The other aspect with the financial industry that I see that really, really gets to me is the use of financial advisor as a term, and it is not protected. So I'll say that. That's one of the reasons why I you know, talk about my CFP and mention that, uh, because that is a protect, protected term. It does mean something, right? You have to go through, again, a lot of education, a lot of testing. You have to have a certain amount of experience in the industry before you can even use that designation. And you have to do continuing education as well. You know, it's a licensing that it requires continuing education. Financial advisor as a generic term does not require any of that. And so there are a lot of firms um, and especially insurance companies that hire a lot of people, call them financial advisors, and then task them with going out and mainly selling life insurance. 
if this is you, if you're listening and you're like, oh, that's me, I am inviting you to take a look at what you're doing and say, hmm, is this the best way to go move through this industry? Am I fully serving my clients in a way that's appropriate? If you say you're a financial advisor and that you can guide people in, you know, planning for retirement or planning for their children's education, but what you're mainly doing is helping them plan for their life insurance needs or disability insurance needs, is that in integrity? I would argue that it is not. I do not think that that is an integrity to say that you can help someone with their retirement, but all you can actually do is help them get an IRA, open an IRA and, you know, save a few hundred dollars per month. And that's, you don't have any other tools or knowledge of how to help them plan for retirement. Then that is not the way to sell yourself to clients. If what you're doing is helping them plan for their risk profile and helping them, you know, get the life insurance that they need, that is a need. That is a need that you can speak to. And if that is where you're at, then say that, right? Say that and be honest about what you actually need. When we say that, when we say the word financial advisor, and we mean insurance sales, or if we say the word financial advisor and we mean investment only, that is confusing for clients. That is confusing for consumers. Because I have people come to me, again, I I do financial planning for a fee. So people can come to me and get a financial plan that is bespoke, completely tailored to them, And they can pay just for that. They can pay for that service without ever buying anything else from me, without doing investment management, without buying life insurance, nothing, right? So this is is what fee only means. That my advice, my expertise can be packaged, can be I can I can lend that to people. They can pay for that service from me because I have such a breadth of experience. Because I have 17 years in the industry, because I have written thousands of financial plans and helped literally hundreds of different families through this process. So if you are saying that you're a financial advisor and you can help people through that process and you never have, that is out of integrity. What I want to leave with, because that it feels heavy to say that, right? It feels heavy to call out other people in my industry, people who are doing the same things that I'm doing, but not, not in a way that's clear and transparent. 
right? And that's, for me, that is, I don't know, maybe we call it like the gold standard, right? Is transparency. Transparency in the financial industry would be such a huge improvement from what we have experienced over the last, again, century plus. And with the money coaching space coming in in vogue, you know, with more people doing that, again, it's just another way that people have found to be in the financial industry, which is deemed as a very lucrative place to have a career which is arguable, but we won't go into those statistics right now. Um, but since it's seen as, oh, you can be, a, you know, go into finance and make tons of money so easily. It can be so, so easy, right? And when you go into this, anything that's unregulated, anything that's like, oh, no one's doing this yet. So I'm going to latch onto that, that part um, and call it financial education. And I'm going to, you know, fly under the radar. No, we don't want to be flying under the radar. No one in the financial industry should be trying to fly under any radars. We want everything to be transparent. We want everything to be about what's right for the consumer, what's right for the client, because money is so tender. We know this. Money, our attachments to money, our attachments to work, our attachments to our own sense of value, self-worth can be so entwined with our money stories. And so being unregulated, being untransparent in this industry that requires so much care and consideration for the client is not okay. How then, what I want to leave with is what I believe is the path forward. And what I believe is the path forward is actually moving back to apprenticeship. I think apprenticeship is so valuable in any industry where you are handling such a vital part of people's livelihood. Okay. When you are guiding people in their money, when people are entrusting their life savings with you, there is, there is almost no other trust that a client can place in you that is, that is higher than that. From a client professional standpoint, when a client trusts me with their freaking life savings, that is, that is a huge responsibility. Okay. And how do you get to the point where you are able to be trusted in that way? You don't do that by coming out of college with a financial planning degree and being 22 years old, right? And then someone's going to give you their life savings. That's that's not wise. That's not wise for that person to be doing that. Right? Or, you know, 
if you leave the the financial industry behind and move into the money coaching space and expect people to trust you with everything in their hearts around money but then you can't then also help them through the next phase into implementation again i would say let's let's have a discussion about that is that in integrity with what the client actually really needs because when we take an apprenticeship model and this is based on i'm going to go back to my experience actually with this i was very very fortunate that when i did not make it through as a financial advisor in my first try back in 2007 i was supposed to get five new clients in 12 weeks when i first became an advisor i did not i think i've told that story before my beautiful mother uh, was my one and only client in that first stretch of 12 weeks. But what that did, I was fully licensed at my Series 7, 66, life and health insurance, blah, 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 did all that, right? Ready to go. I got hired as a paraplanner for a practice that actually did focus on financial planning heavily. And then I spent the next nine years doing thousands of financial plans for literally hundreds, four, five, 600 families and multiple plans for these families, right? That's why it's in the thousands. Seeing different situations, learning all the different ups and downs, right? So it wasn't just book knowledge, when I took my CFP exam after being in the industry for 13 years, I didn't, I knew everything on that exam because I had done it. I had literally helped clients through all of those things. And that is the, that is the way to elevate through this industry. I don't think you have to be in an apprenticeship space for that long. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But having time, spending time in financial planning, spending time with clients, spending time in meetings, spending time analyzing with a lead advisor, right? This is how you get true experience before you go out and get clients. And so these firms that hire advisors and, you know, just like throwing spaghetti at the wall, trying to, you know, yeah, go out, get clients, figure it out, call yourself a financial advisor. It's not, it's not in the best interest of advisors. It's not in the best interest of clients. And when we move that to the money coaching space, right? A lot of these people who are in a money coaching space, a lot of them were financial advisors. A lot of, more, a lot of them were in the financial space and felt chewed up and spit out by the system. So they left 
and found another way to still help people with their money. But that's, again, it's not serving clients in the best way possible. Apprenticeship. Apprenticeship that brings forward the relationship with the client. Apprenticeship that gives true experience, you know, actually helping the next generation of financial advisors learn through experience, sit with clients, listen to the conversations, right? Really actually get experience with it. That's what allowed me to get the experience I needed to feel 100% confident that I could help people. And I believe that we can bring everything together under one umbrella. We can bring everything that, that the beauty of the money coaching space, the beauty of allowing people to move through their money blocks, supporting people through this process of transformation is so necessary. It's what the financial industry is missing when it only focuses on data, when it focuses on on investments, when it focuses on results. It's missing the human component that money coaching does bring. So when we bring those together, when we talk about the data and the implementation and the strategy, and we marry it with the emotion, the feeling, the spiritual aspects of money, when we bring them all together, that is what clients truly need and what they're asking for. They're asking for the how, how do I do this? They're not asking, how do I figure out how to save that much money per month? They're trying to say, how, how do I change my habits? How do I change my actions in a way that will allow me to make this financial transformation and have it stick. We need the money coaching. We need the financial advice. We need them to be together. And so that is what I see as the future. That's what I see as the next iteration of truly comprehensive, holistic financial advice. And I think I've gone on quite long enough on my rant. If you stayed with me this far, thank you. And I would love to know what your experience has been like. If you are a financial advisor and you feel called out, tell me. I want to hear about it. If you are a financial advisor and you're going, Uh, Yeah, that is, I agree with you 100%. How do we do more of this? Tell me about it. I want to hear from you. If you are a money coach and you feel called out, tell me about it. If you're a money coach and you're like, hell yes, I totally agree with you. Tell me about it. And if you're a client that has experienced anything on any of this whole spectrum, from 
being, you know, feeling manipulated or feeling like you didn't get what you needed or feeling like you were let down or feeling like you had a great experience, feeling like you have an advisor that you can actually trust who gives fiduciary advice, who also cares about you as a human being and cares about your spiritual evolution, right? If you have that, I want to hear about it. I want to know who your advisor is because I want to meet them, right? I We need networks. We need networks of, of heart-driven, spiritual and intellectual and experienced financial advisors leading this next phase of truly serving clients the way that they deserve to be served. So if you have any thoughts on this, I hope you do. And I hope you tell me about them. And whether they're good, bad, ugly, tell me. I want all of it. So until next time, send me your questions, send me your feedback, and I will see you or talk to you in the next episode. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.